All right, major gift fundraiser here with Clark Van Deventer, helping you get the most money out of your list without ruining your current donor relationships. Buenos dias. Hey, Clark Van Deventer here from Major Gifts Fundraiser. Hope you're having a great day. Hey, I want to jump right into this. Uh, we've been uh, going through this process with a few clients. So we have this uh, Major Gifts startup program. It's it's a three-month program div divided into three separate parts. So you've got um, one is it's all about systems and setup. So I talk a lot about giving your donors an exceptional giving experience. Basically, you want, if your donors, if, if you have a donor give you $100, you want that donor like a month later, two months later to go like, man, like I, I feel like I got, like subconsciously they say like, I feel like I got $500 worth of thanks, right? And so what we do in step one of this major gift startup program is set up your systems. So we want to systematize your donor onboarding process. Like, how are you thanking your donors? So both for uh, particularly new donors, and, and we're talking systems here. We want to automate as much of, of this stuff as possible. Uh, but then obviously some of it's not automated. I want you actually interacting with your donors, not just systems, um, not just automation. But we want to have a, a fabulous thank you process in place for new donors, and for current donors. All right, so that's what we do in step one. Step two then becomes a, it's a donor acquisition plan, actually, we run on social media. Uh, that has a lot to do with you and how you tell your story. Okay, then in step three, we get into some major gift stuff uh, in terms of ranking and prioritizing your people, who you're going to meet with, telling your story, that kind of thing. But step two is what I really want to talk about today because we've been helping some clients better tell their story. Um, and it's been a really amazing process. And it's really cool to see um, to see the client, the, the change in the clients. All right, so we've got one we're working with right now. Like he's just, he's emerging, this executive director, like he's becoming a different person in the process, becoming more confident and telling his story. And this nonprofit, I'm just like, it's going places. They're going to do some amazing things in the years ahead. And I think that like they're laying the, the, the groundwork right now and they're raising money. Um, that's part of what we do with phase two is like we, we actually, we raise money. Um, we not only raise money, but we acquire new donors, um, which is great, right? Like it's great to acquire new donors. So we talk a lot about getting maximum support out of your current list. Um, but every organization should constantly be focused, or not focused, but you should be focused on getting maximum support out of your current list by going deeper with those people, having deeper and more meaningful relationships with those people. But like every organization simultaneously should always be working to acquire new donors. And I would really love to see you move beyond direct mail with this, right? Like direct mail is, has been the way that we've acquired donors in the past, but like you, you've got to move beyond direct mail now. You just do, all right? So do a lot with social media in that realm. 
Okay, but one of the things that uh, we've been helping our clients do is tell their epiphany story. So I want to tell, tell you now my epiphany story and how I got into fundraising. All right, so this is my epiphany story. This is, this is how I, Clark Van Dieventer, the major guest fundraiser, the podcaster that you've been listening to, this is how I got into fundraising. All right, so when I was in college, I remember friends coming back after summer break with a bunch of money, all right? Like, I mean, what you consider a bunch of money when you're a broke college student, right? Should clarify. I don't even remember what they did, like factory jobs back home, tons of overtime pay, whatever. Like, I can't say now. All I know is that they came back to school with money, and, and I came back with less money than I'd had in the spring. I just wasn't motivated by money. Summer after my freshman year of college, I got a job as a camp counselor. I barely made enough money to cover my living expenses that summer, right? Let alone piling any money together to sustain me in the coming school year. So after my sophomore year, I landed an internship, a big internship, like an internship that was for me, like my dream internship. Whether I would take the internship, it was... It was never a question. How I would survive, like financially, was. The internship, it came with a stipend, but not enough to cover my living expenses. All right? But I got in my car, and I drove from Indiana to Santa Barbara, and I just figured I'd figure it out. Like, that whole summer, I was broke. I, I got to Santa Barbara and met the guy I was renting a room from, in this flea bag of an apartment. So I had a $50 bill and I drove to a nearby Kmart to buy a few essentials. And then later that evening, I'm settling into my room and I pulled out my wallet to count my money and plan for the next few days. All right, that's when I realized that when I'd gone to Kmart and paid with a $50 bill, they'd given me change for a 20. That $30 difference was a big deal, all right? Like, it comprised all the money I had for the next two weeks until I got paid. So I went back to Kmart and I talked to the manager. She told me to come in the morning after she'd counted the drawers and she said if the drawer was $30 over that she would know I was telling the truth. Okay, so... The next morning, I'm in the parking lot and waiting for the manager to unlock the front doors and open the store, all right? So she's, she, I'm standing, she looks out, she sees me waiting, she comes out and she hands me $30, all right? Like, I was so relieved. And then later that summer, I was at work one day and I, I was there, but I had this nagging thought in the back of my mind. Because I had enough gas in my car to get back to my apartment that evening, but not enough to get to work the next day. And I was out of money, like completely out. And so this is like sort of weighing on my mind, right? Like not in the forefront, but it's there. So I'm interning with a nonprofit and I'm spending the day, I'm actually spending the day with the donor. Like I still remember the donors. 
Like, I ended up spending more time with them later on. Got to know them a bit. Like, I visited them at their home in Chicago, and then, and then their home in Florida. All right? Like, when I was on those trips, I was the, the young hotshot in my first development job. All right? But on this day in Santa Barbara, I'm a broke 19-year-old college intern who didn't have enough gas to get to work the next day. And at the end of our time together, so I spend all day with this donor. At the end of our time together, I shake hands with him, and there's something in it. It's a $100 bill. Like It, it was him giving a personal gratuity for, for some things I had done for him throughout the day. And I was like, manna from heaven. All right? That whole summer, I'm broke. Like, broke. But it was by far the best summer of my youth and a completely life-changing summer. So I, I grew up in Indiana. Uh, simple background, simple upbringing. My parents are humble people. All right? And that summer, even though I'm broke, I'm hanging out at cocktail receptions at the Four Seasons. Right? Like, here I am, this 19-year-old intern, and the nonprofit I'm working for has me meeting with their donors. Like, it actually becomes the focus of my internship. I'm spending three or four or five days a week with donors. Like, four or five or six hours a day each of those days. And I don't know much about fundraising. Like, I'm a kid. But whatever I'm doing, like, it's working. And at the end of the summer, I go back to Indiana, back to school. But that nonprofit starts flying me back to Santa Barbara for long weekends at donor events. I, I fly to West Palm Beach for a donor event. Like, I'm still broke. Broke, broke, broke. And I'm having the time of my life. I test out of some classes uh, get the dean of the college to sign off on me overloading my course schedule. I graduate early. I move to Santa Barbara, and I join the staff of this nonprofit. I, I fly in at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. But I go straight to the office to say hello. Like, I'm not supposed to start until Monday, right? It's like Wednesday afternoon. I'm not supposed to start until Monday. But I'm like, what the heck? What else am I doing tomorrow? So my boss tells me there's donors coming in the next day. And do I want to come in and take care of them? And I'm like, sure. Like, again, like, what else am I doing, right? So I go in the next day, spend like six hours with these people. Like, I remember. I remember their names. I remember who they were. Um, they weren't even donors yet, actually. They were prospective donors. But at the end of our time together... They commit to a $10,000 gift. And I remember being back in the office that evening with the staff. And they're all toasting me. And there's this celebratory feel in the air. And it was awesome. All right? And that's been a lot of years ago now. Like, I met my future wife. Uh, we got married. My boss emceed our wedding reception at the Four Seasons, which was attended by many of the donors I worked with. The gifts got bigger, $20,000, $100,000, a quarter of a million, a half a million, a million. I was successful. I had everything I'd ever wanted. I had my dream job. 
I'm like 26, 27 years old now, and I'm, I'm making more money than I think my dad made any single year of his life. There's just one problem now. It's that I didn't want it anymore. So I quit. And, and people thought I was crazy. Like, some people were even mad at me. But I could only come up with one reason to stay in that job. And it was the paycheck. And I really came to this place. Like, it was a pretty jarring realization. I just decided that if I stayed in that job only for a paycheck, I'd be a shell of a man. Man, that's, that's, a, that's a heavy one, right? So here I am. I'm 27 years old now. I've got a wife. I've got a newborn baby, right? My son is like a month old at this time. And I've got a not-quite-half-baked plan. And I quit. All right, someone once asked me if I knew how hard things would get over the next few years if I'd still have quit. And I told him, I'm glad I didn't know. <laughs> okay. I was perhaps overly optimistic regarding my ability to make things happen. All right. But have you ever heard of this idea of failing forward? You just keep failing forward. Keep trying things that don't quite work, but they keep propelling you forward. I spent a few years failing forward. All right. And there I am. I'm now 30 years old. And I'm running for United States Congress. All right. I went all in. Cashed out what little retirement savings I had. All right. I was searching for meaning and significance and work that mattered. All right. Meaning, significance, work that matters. Like those three things. That's what, that's what meaning, significance, work that matters. Like that's what I wanted. Like my retirement savings seemed like a small price to pay to find those things. All right. So my life at this point was like a house of cards. Okay. And my congressional bid was placed on top of that. And when I lost, it all came crashing down. When I lost, okay, I'm going to use that word again. I have so many stories that involve me being broke, okay? When I lost, I was broke, like just completely broke. And like, not only was I out of money, I just like, I had no idea what to do next. Like it was a really, it was a really hard time in my life. I had no idea what to do next. Uh, my wife and I had two kids at the time, and we couldn't pay our mortgage. So we rented out our house, and we moved into my in-law's garage. So at that point, I decided to get out of nonprofit work. I was just burnt out on fundraising. So I did some other things. Um, I, I tried to do some other things anyway. But I'd get contacted by an organization who'd ask me to help them with something. And, and we needed the money. So I, I couldn't say no. So I was going in and training development staff for all these organizations. And my ego at this point had been stripped away. 
and I felt free to talk about the things I'd struggled with in my career. All right, so sure, I had some success, but with success comes pressure to continue to perform, and that pressure led me to make some mistakes, all right, mistakes with my donors and other mistakes, and, and this was stuff that I wouldn't talk about in staff meetings in my old job, but stuff that I, I now felt really free to admit. Like, I'm, I'm getting out of this. I can say whatever I want, right? So I'm going in and I'm talking with the organization, spending two or three days training their staff how to raise money, how to work with donors, the challenges that come with a fundraising job. And I'm just putting it all out there, right? I don't think I'm going to keep doing this. Like, this isn't a career path, right? Like, for me at the time, it was just a bridge. It was my way out of the nonprofit world. So I go in and talk with these groups, and like three months later, they want me back. And six months later, they want me back. And another group says they heard what I did for such and such organization, and they want me to come in and do that for them. Like, and again, we needed the money, and I wasn't quite figuring out the other stuff I was trying to do, so I do it. But then something else happened. I felt alive again. All those years earlier, before the in-laws garage, before I ran for Congress, when I was 27 years old and had the dream job and I confused the heck out of people by quitting, I quit because I realized that success was just a phantom. Like making money or, or being quote unquote successful wasn't enough for me. I wanted to feel alive. I wanted to do work that I felt passionate about, work that I was born to do, like work that I was uniquely suited to do, work that only I could do. And I had this feeling that I had something in me that I needed to give the world and I wasn't giving it in that job. And for some reason, I'd never be able to give it. And quite by accident, in taking these gigs and training organizations how to raise money, I was doing it. The calls kept coming. I kept hopping on flights to go to this organization or that organization. Over time, these groups I've been working with for a while, they started to see not just marginal improvements in their fundraising, they were seeing exponential jumps. All right, I, I knew that part of this could be explained by the way big gifts are backlogged, right? Like it takes time for big gifts to develop, but the numbers across the board implied something different. What I realized is that all of this stuff I was training on helped, all right? So I would give a training on this and it would help and then give a training on that and it would help. Each of the pieces worked, but the sum was greater than the parts, right? Like you've heard this line before, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. If you take something that works and remove some parts, it's not as useful as it was. Still useful perhaps, but not as powerful as it was. But putting that part back in, the thing is whole again, and much more useful than the parts were before. 
So I needed to examine my parts and organize them into a system. All right, so I can give you a part, all right, and the part will be useful, but each part becomes more valuable when combined with all the parts. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Does that make sense? All right, so one of my favorite lines comes from the, the book of Proverbs, all right? Eh, man, my life, all right? It says, in his heart, a man will plan his course, but the Lord determines his steps. All right, so there's another um, famous um, quote that I've, I've held on to over the years. Maybe you know it from Steve, Job, from Steve Jobs and his Stanford commencement address. If you've not watched this speech, go on YouTube right now and watch it. All right. So Steve Jobs in this commencement address says, You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something. Your gut destiny, life, karma, whatever. Because believing that the dots will connect down the road will give you the confidence to follow your heart even when it leads you off the well-worn path. And that will make all the difference. All right, Steve Jobs could have never known when he dropped out of college and took a calligraphy class how important that calligraphy class would later be in developing the typography of Macintosh computers, all right? So I could have never connected my own dots looking forward. But I'm doing work that matters now and doing work I was born to do because I trusted the road was going somewhere. Today, I get to work with organizations to help them raise more money than ever before by having deeper and more meaningful relationships with their donors than they ever dreamed possible. All right, so that's my epiphany story. What's your epiphany story? Like what's your personal epiphany story? What's the epiphany story of your organization? All right, so I'd love to help you tell that story in a more uh, effective, more powerful way uh, to help you like tell a story that people that just resonates with people, all right? So if you're interested, we the, the whole Major Gifts Startup Program could be the right thing for you, or, or you may just need help with this one thing. And we do these 30-day donor acquisition plans where we, we really get into telling your story, telling your story on social media um, and uh, attracting new donors. And, and not only are you attracting new donors, but you are becoming a different person in the process, right? I'm a big process person. Trust the process, like with fundraising, like score your points. You've heard me talk about scoring your points. Score your points, trust the process, right? And and you as a, as a human being, you're human becoming, like there's a process. Your organization, there's a process. Like there's a metamorphosis taking place. And uh, I think a big part of life is just embracing that process and leaning into it, all right? So let's lean into the process. All right. So love to help you out. Shoot me an email, Clark at MajorGiftsFundraiser.com. That's Clark at MajorGiftsFundraiser.com. Love to help you. All right. Just reach a new place in your career.
as a, as a human being, as a human becoming, I want to help you reach that new place. As, as someone who's, look, I don't have all the answers, but I've, I've been through some stuff. And um, as I sometimes say, like, I, I can't walk these trails for you, but I can walk them with you. So shoot me an email. That's Clark at MajorGiftsFundraiser.com. Clark at MajorGiftsFundraiser.com. And I'll say it again. I've said it before. If you have other topics you'd like me to take on in one of these episodes, just let me know. I actually, this I don't make this stuff up, right? I'm interacting with people. I'm working with clients. And I have ideas. I should talk about that in the podcast. So if you have something you'd like me to address, shoot me a line at clark at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. All right. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Adios.